HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. It's the final stretch of 2022, and HRN needs your help. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I hope every single one of them is joining us for the final episode of Tech Bytes for 2022. Today is episode 281. We are in December of 2022, and it is our last episode of the year, which is kind of amazing. It's always amazing to have the passage of time, the turn of the clock, and especially since we started Tech Bytes in January of 2015, you know, we sort of end in December and start the next year in January, as the calendar says, so we are right on time. If you listened to our episode last week, that was all about the year in review. The penultimate show is always the year in review, and we did that with Crystal Mobiani, who is founder of Bento Box, which is an amazing online platform for restaurants and hospitality companies. It's websites and gift cards and marketing and all those kinds of things. And her business really is the business. And they publish a year in review with trends and data from more than 14,000 restaurants worldwide. And there were some pretty interesting findings. So if you're interested in wrapping up 2022, I recommend you go back and listen to Tech Bytes episode 280. If you're interested in looking forward to 2023, we always like to take a look at the year to come. And typically we have people on and we ask them what they think the trends and predictions are gonna be. And this year we're doing something a little bit different. We're suggesting a trend. We're making a prediction. We have had some challenging times the past few years. We also focus a lot on technology here at TechBytes. Technology that you live with and use 24-7, almost every moment of your day. And sometimes that's great and it's helpful and it helps you get a reservation. It helps you get more business. It helps you get delicious food to your table and to your family. But today we're going to use our tech to disconnect from our tech in a way, 
That's something that we've talked about over the years, how important it is to have downtime and to disconnect from your technology. And in a little bit of an oxymoron or incongruous idea, perhaps, this episode is about mindfulness and micro meditations and using food tech to get you there. We have joining us today, Brian Littman, who is the founder of Hasu, hasuflower.com, if you'd like to follow along, that's H-A-S-U. Um, Brian, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And it's, it's a, it, again, it's a fascinating idea uh, to use your food tech to get away from your tech. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that. Mindfulness and meditation. Mindfulness and meditation are certainly things that we've been hearing a lot about. Um, certainly technology to meditate and have moments of mindfulness. There are apps like Calm and Headspace, um, a myriad of soundtracks and podcasts and all types of things, um, all types of schools of meditation, with dogma, without dogma. Most of them focus on breathing and just kind of taking a pause and on a personal note, I have had a meditation practice for many, many years, um, longer than I've had this podcast. How about that? And my personal record, I used the Headspace app quite a bit when I first started meditating, and it sort of slightly gamifies your meditation a little bit. It registers each day you meditate, yeah. and it keeps a running score, and then the day you don't meditate, it goes back to zero. And... My personal best, I was very, very focused on meditating, was 500 days in a row. And I took a screenshot of the thing. I was like so proud of myself. It's like a year and a half of meditating every day. And oddly, or, you know, perhaps not, I woke up one morning during the pandemic when we were sheltering in place in 2020. And I opened my eyes in the morning and I realized that... I didn't meditate yesterday and my counter went back to zero. It was like at 500 something and it went back to zero. And I was like, well, I guess it's time for a new style of meditation or a new type of thing. And from that moment on, I don't use the Headspace app anymore. I meditate just on my own with a timer and typically in the morning and in the evening, I try to meditate in the morning, um, right when I wake up before I look at email or my phone or get into, you know, sort of turn on my brain in that way. And then I've started recently to try and um, started this year to try and meditate before I go to sleep as well to sort of do the reverse. I have a sort of little, you know, meditation movement kind of thing that I do in the morning. And I sort of do that in reverse at night now when I go to sleep. So when Hasu Flower came across, uh, came across my purview, it's such an interesting idea. It's using... Um, three of the senses really, um, to bring you into uh, a moment of mindfulness and a moment of meditation. And it uses 3d printing, um, and it has flavors and you eat it and it's really delightful. Um, but before we get to the details of Hasu flower, um, Brian, tell us how you even came to the idea. You initially, um, you're you're not a yogi or a monk or a, a meditator. You are a advertising, production, creative person, which is a very um, in the moment but high stress, high moving, yeah. high volume job. Take take us from there. So um, 
you know, I started and I went to school for film production. So um, I spent a really long time in commercial production and um, it, uh, it was a passion and um, something that I really loved, but also, as you said, something that comes with a lot of stress. And, um, you know, I think as your life becomes more stressful and it starts, um, you know, creeping out in different ways, lack of sleep, things like that, you start looking for coping mechanisms, right? Um, and eventually someone who I really respect turned me on to meditation and concepts around mindfulness. And then it turned into something that, you know, when I was away on a shoot, you know, while everyone is going out for drinks, I'm, you know, back in my room with a instructor learning a mantra and just, you know, working on different ways to, you know, learn about meditation. I think kind of find the right one for me. I think um, kind of almost in relation to your using headspace at one time, I think, um, you know, there those are really like aids, you know, they're meditation aids, they help guide you, they, um, they are timers, you know, what you mentioned now that you're using just a timer, you know, you start finding aids along the way that help you reduce your brain activity, calm yourself down. And that's really um, the journey that, you know, sort of started in film production, and then, you know, and now all the way to this. Certainly being on a production shoot, in another city is a very stressful environment. I'm impressed that you were able to find a meditation teacher to come to you to do that um, while everyone else was in the bar. It's almost like the way people bring their personal trainers with them when they're on a shoot, (laughs) which is pretty amazing. Um, And then going from a person to a timer and different types of things, it's it's interesting. I've um, started with the Headspace app and those different timers and didn't meditate with other people until a few years in. So that's fascinating to me. So bring us through. So you become very interested in meditation and you're practicing. Do you have a specific type of meditation that you practice now? Right now I practice something called silent illumination. And um, it's uh, something I've, I've done on some meditation retreats. And it's really a a contemplation of emptiness. And I think it, you know, um, it sort of grounded my views of meditation with um, strongly into present moment awareness and contemplations of nothing, of emptiness um, as a way of sort of lowering my brain activity. And that's, that's my practice at the moment. So you have this practice, you were in advertising, and then you and your wife started working together on some design projects and started a design company. And it's notably based around human activity and human-centered design. Um, Um, We, you know, I ended up about a year before the pandemic, um, I ended up leaving commercial production. Um, As you mentioned, my wife and I started a a design firm focused on um, innovation and um, processes, process, um, tools, procedures. Um, and, um, from there the pandemic happened. Um, and we were in this place where I was kind of struggling with my meditation practice and, um, we started sort of looking into it and, um, working with, um, some of the design principles to sort of say, how can we, how can we use the design thinking methodologies that, we're good at um, to sort of 
tackle something that we were facing, which was making mindfulness a bit more accessible. Um, during the pandemic, um, you know, our kids were quarantining as well. And so one of the things that we were trying to do was share my concepts around mindfulness with them, share our, you know, concepts on meditation. But we found that there was a real lack of tools out there, especially for parents, to help have that conversation with them, to work with kids on that. And so we took that as a challenge and um, we sort of approached it like any other design challenge. Um, and I think that's sort of where the technology part starts to come into play because then, you know, it ended up being a a 3D printing company that that specializes in food that that really helped us, you know, create this this thing that we had designed. So I'm going to back up a little bit and go to human-centered design and and you wanting to distill the meditation practice into an experience or something that was teachable or an experience that had different stages perhaps that you could follow along. Human-centered design, uh, creative design is is not, when we're talking about design, we're not talking about um, art design in terms of, you know, images or patterns or things that are, you know, like a designer things to look at. Exactly. I think a lot of people, when we hear the word design, we think about art on a wall or the the design of an album cover, you know, things like that, like 2D artwork. But human-centered design and designing products is more about looking at how people use things and how people move through the world and move through their life. And then how can you make a tool or a process that is more naturally applicable, more naturally usable to a person. And yeah, I mean, so, you know, even something like, um, if you're in your kitchen, like designing a kitchen, you know, how high is the counter? Is the counter low that you have to bend over and it's uncomfortable? Well, that's not very good design. If it's too high and you have to like reach up or get a stool, that's not good design either. But if it's at a good sort of waist height where you can, you know, be, you know, have your cutting board and your things on the counter and it's just the perfect height, that's good design for a human experience, right? Exactly. I mean, it, another way to say it is almost like you're you're being an anthropologist in a way. You're really um, assessing all of the needs um, that a user might have and you're doing research into them and designing something that that supports that activity or that goal that you're that you're trying to achieve and in this case it was about um, making mindfulness more accessible and so it started with um, a real deep dive into routines and rituals um, what are the what are the you know real implications scientifically medically speaking from some of the meditations that we do um, you know looking into meditation aids I think, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, probably the most common meditation aid is a, a is a timer. Um, but then there are other way there are other types of meditation aid, or aids to meditation that have been passed around down from years of practicing. Like, for example, the use of incense, and that's something that would engage your sense of smell. 
or the use of touch, you know, where you might position your fingers. Um, or, you know, one thing that I found extremely powerful was the use of a bell, um, the characteristics of focusing on the sound and especially one a, a bell that had a diminishing um, sound over time you know, really was something that I could anchor and focus on through my sense of hearing, right? But the diminishing aspect of it really calm, I, I found my calming down as that, as the bell was getting lower. So, and then taking those aspects that we find, you know, useful from those things and putting them into the product that you're designing. So, you know, we were looking to create something that could act as a timer, that had a diminishing, you know, effect ads that you could focus on. And then sort of the, the thing that made it, I think, new was using mouthfeel to do that, um, providing something that was the form itself was the guide um, that you could focus on that was also portable that, you know, that you could do in the you know, a timely manner based off of the current, you know, the way that we live our lives today. Did you know it was going to be something that you put into your mouth that you eat? So let's let's describe what you finally designed. Yeah. And is that where you started? Did you start with something to put into your mouth that No, what, um, what? the you know, the mouth the whole mouthfeel aspect came really during the pandemic when, you know, we were trying to talk to our kids about mindfulness. Um and, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with kids, I think you try and lean into things that they're also interested in. And it just so happened that one of my kids was really interested in cooking and I was spending a lot of time with him in the kitchen. And so... Your um, kids are 11 and 13. Exactly. Just to give yeah. people a sense of how, how big and, or small these kids are. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And, um, and so I decided to lean into that. And I had done a lot of... Um, Mindful, you know, mindful exercises around mouthfeel at um, uh, retreats, and also if you're in seminars, um, there's a very common one called the raisin exercise, where it's um, you know a, a practitioner might give everyone in the audience or everyone a raisin, um, and you put the raisin in your mouth, and it's really like an elongated contemplation where you're you know you have it in your mouth and something that you might normally eat very quickly. This in this experience, it's about you know, feeling the waxiness of the raisin, feel the ridges of the raisin, contemplate, you know, um, the the way that you push down your teeth on the raisin. And so um, that's sort of where we got into mouthfeel by through, you know, my son's interest. And then as that developed, we then started, you know, again, doing a lot of research, trying a lot of different um you know, flavor profiles, textures, um, time that it would take to, you know, the mouthfeel of it. And how And we found that something that dissolved that, you know, we came up with, a, you know, sort of a, a formula of how fast we wanted it to dissolve. And we ended up creating this, um, what we call a Hasu flower. And it's basically a meditation tablet. You, you do the similar things that you're used to when it comes to sense of smell, you would you put it under your um, nose and you smell for about a minute, which brings down your brain activity. And then you put it in your mouth and you focus on that dissolving sensation. And it takes about, you know, the whole exercise takes about two minutes. So to describe it for listeners, um, because we are audio, not visual, <laughs> but you can go online to hasuflower.com or 
look at them on Instagram at Time for Hasu. They, um, it's a packet of three tabs. One is ginger, one is mint, one is vanilla. They're about like a little bit less than an inch in diameter. And they are very pale. One is pale. The mint is pale green. Yeah. The ginger is like a pale yellow. The vanilla is like a, a pale, like tan. And they have a um, sort of lotus flower sitting on top of them, which is what hasu is, correct? Yeah. Hasu is lotus flower in Japanese, in Japanese. I think you said. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you have these three tablets and you take one out of the container and it has the smell ginger or mint or vanilla and it's tiny and then you put it into your mouth and it it um the sensation is um it's definitely firm it's a little porous almost like if you are familiar with french baking and french bakery things they have something called a a gros sucre which is a big sugar and it's not like a big solid granule of sugar it's almost like a puffed aerated sugar that's in these chunks. And it has, to me, the, the Hasu flower had a texture similar to that big sugar that you get in French baking. Typically, the big sugar that you see on like a sugar brioche or a um, chouquette. And so when you put it in your mouth and it, and it dissolves slowly and then you have the flavor also. And then it completely disappears. Exactly. And then that was it. So how did you come to the idea of having a tablet that dissolves in your mouth? Was that something you knew you wanted to do? Did you discover 3D sugar printing online, researching what it could be? So that's a great question. Um, You know, early, early on, we knew we wanted to use mouthfeel. And uh, we knew we wanted it to be something that someone could experience. in terms of dissolving in their mouth. Um, But we were unsure, it wasn't a tablet form. We actually started off by making 3D printed lotus flowers. And that was our first iteration working with Current um, as a, you know, the 3D printing company that we uh, ended up working, you know, doing, who's making the Current flowers. Um, And the idea was literally you would keep this, you know, we did pilot programs and you would keep this 3D printed lotus flower um and you would keep it by your bedside you would keep it maybe where you meditated you would keep it at your office um and the ritual was you would break a petal off you would literally break a petal off and you would do the same sort of exercise first smell then mouthfeel and it would dissolve in your mouth and and we started that way and then we just started you know going through the design um the design process and working on how, how do we reduce waste? How do we, you know, we also wanted this to be, you know, in terms of the sugar content, you know, sugar was um, something that was on our mind. So we wanted to make sure that it was not something that you, someone might get, you know, more sugar than we really wanted them to have for that experience. So by doing it in this tablet and working with the actual um, size and the, the formula, we were able to ensure that the sugar content, which is, I think, 0.2 grams 
uh, is even less than a raisin at this point. So uh, we wanted that that pro- you know we wanted to, to work through that process and work through those challenges, and then ultimately it ended up being we wanted to make sure that it was portable, that it was something that someone could take with them. It didn't have to be necessarily on their desk or um, by where they meditate. And so that's where we ended up taking the the packaging, the shape, the size, all that sort of stuff. And there's all that human-centered design. Well, we are talking about mindfulness for 2023 on our last episode of the year in 2022. And something else that happens at the end of the year at Heritage Radio Network is we do an annual membership drive. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our listeners and members So if you go to heritageradionetwork.org, you will see a big banner about our membership drive. You can join and become a member for as little as $25. And we got lots of swag. We have lots of really, really good swag. We always have great swag. We've got baseball caps. We've got food. We've got snacks. We have brand new t-shirts this year also. We also have cooler bags for the beach and tailgating and all that kind of stuff. So... Take a moment, take a mindful moment, and think about membership. Up your marketing game and support nonprofit food radio when you put your brand on the HRN airwaves with a business membership. HRN is committed to spotlighting small businesses that keep our community vibrant. When you become an HRN business member at the $500 level, you'll receive on-air mentions on HRN podcasts, shout-outs on social media, listings on our website, and more as part of our thank you package. By becoming an HRN member, you'll help sustain our mission to transform the way people think about food. In return, HRN will shine a light on your work in front of an audience of food enthusiasts, industry insiders, owner-operators, and decision-makers. Become a business member and make your tax-deductible donation today at heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that technology is trying to help you get away from your technology. We are talking to Brian Littman, who is the founder of Hasu, hasuflower.com, or on Instagram, at Time for Hasu. It is a micro meditation tablet that is created by 3D printing. It's a fascinating little idea, again, of technology to bring you away from your technology and your mindfulness uh, to mindfulness and meditation. You take one of the small little tablets. They're actually quite beautiful. They do have a little lotus flower on top of them. They come in three different flavors, mint, ginger, and vanilla. You take out one of the tabs, you sit, you smell it, which engages your smell and your breath. You do that for a little bit. You put it into your mouth and you just sit while it dissolves. And maybe you think about the texture of it dissolving. You think about the mouthfeel, the flavor. It takes maybe about a minute. The whole thing maybe takes about two minutes, maybe three which is more than enough time to have a momentary pause, a moment of mindfulness. I like the idea that it focuses on something other than breath, 
most meditation, um, we're focusing really on the breathing, count your breath, count the, yeah. count the out, um, or we're looking at something. Um, there's a lot of, you know, open eye meditation. You're looking at a candle, you're looking at, you know, the flame or the ocean or something like that. I don't think I have come across a meditation that uses mouth feel and taste. Is that something that you have invented? Did you find it in research? Did you experience it um, with a teacher or at a class? Um, no, I, I mean, I don't think it's about, it's not something we invented. I think that um, it's something we've, I've experienced at meditation retreats, um, introducing the idea of mindful eating. Um, and, I, and I agree with you. It's definitely something that is not common. Um, but I think it's also maybe the, and this is the technology portion of it. Maybe it just was something that we weren't able to be consistent enough with creating the actual thing to put in your mouth, that it did the same thing exactly the same way in your mouth every time when it came to something natural, um, that was naturally made. Um, and if that, if that makes sense, um, you know, I, as we mentioned, like, similar to sort of a raisin exercise where you might take a raisin and put it in your mouth. So the concepts are there, but, and, and maybe this goes to the, the idea also of, you know, mindfulness and meditation are concepts that are um, still making their way into our society. I think it's a, it's a growing conversation. And um, I think it's only natural for us to be taking today uh, an audit of technology of the way that we live and changing uh, and iterating on um, concepts like like turning into your senses, iterating on those concepts and trying to make them more um, fit into our lifestyle, fit into the way that we um, conduct our day, the moments of the day. Um, and I think that's also where, you know, the term micro meditation comes in. I think it's a way of trying to label for people the idea that, you know, it doesn't have to be a 30 minute meditation that you're sitting down um, for. It could literally be the intent of the walk that you have from the subway to your office making that a time for a micro meditation. So it's just a way of opening up these ideas to more people in language that they understand. And part of that is also making it novel, right? Um, letting people be excited about trying it. And that's part of what we're doing. I think if you're trying to make mindfulness more accessible for people, we have to engage them where they're at um, with, you know, and, and, excite, and do something that's more exciting. And that's not a bad thing um, to try and, you know, be creative about this. But I feel like it takes a little bit of, you know, us as a society finding, giving, getting permission to do that with things that we know have been passed down for generations. I like the idea of it being um, accessible and portable. Small, small is always easier to try um, versus something big and, and long. I think also, you know, cha changing the perception, the idea of, um, a preconceived notion of what mindfulness or meditation has to be or should be or can only be. 
Um, it really is one of those things, I think, where, you know, you could kind of do it anywhere, any way you wanted to <laughs> at any time of day. Yeah. And I think that's actually where, you know, if you were to ask where the the, the real transition part comes, um, you know, you, you early on, you're trying to, un, you, you're learning about mindfulness, you're learning about ways to meditate, you're, you're investigating things like mantras and, and different types of yogas and, and, and things like that. But, you know, it wasn't until really, you know, I could say some of the concepts of 10% happier, what they're doing over there in terms of helping translate um, the conversation around mindfulness to something that's a bit more um, digestible for me. Um, that's when it, that's when I sort of clicked that it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting for an hour and finding enlightenment every, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about that. In addition to the fact that if that doesn't happen, that doesn't mean it's a failure per se. You can still, you know, there's many different ways to go about this and it's not just, uh, um, it's not just, a, an all or nothing proposition. Have you trademarked uh, micro meditation? Yes. No, not no. Sorry, not micro meditation, but um, a meditation tablet um, is something okay. that we feel like we've um, we're starting to. Uh, it's it, that's part of our development. I think you know. Also, obvi- micro. I think micro meditation, though. I think the micro meditation is really interesting, and it. Um, I think micro meditation has an appeal in the same way the idea of I don't need to be you know, on a, on a meditation cushion for an hour to have it be beneficial. It could be a micro. I think micro meditation is also, um, and and it's a concept that's out there. And I think it's, uh, it's something that's really worth looking into. And I think that, you know, micro meditation could also be translated into calming ritual. Um, because, you know, you're really looking, if you were thinking about it, um, for example, I would come home, um, after work and I'd say, you know, I want to meditate, uh, at 10 30, I'm going to meditate. The kids will be in bed and everything, you know, I can, I'll have some time at 10 30 and then you get home and then the kids and then dinner and all this sort of stuff. So by the time 10 30 came, my brain activity is going still, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of still your heads in a million places, right? So you sit down and you say, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes. It takes about 25 minutes for, to calm down. Right. And so um, the idea of a calming ritual that you might have that that's different really for everyone, as I mentioned, um, you know, for me, if I sat down and tried to do a, a body scan as a as a way of sort of calming my, you know, calming my brain activity and entering into a meditation, it's not as effective for me right away. It's something that I, you know, but breath turning into my, you know, the sensory of breath that's a very powerful tool for me. A bell, a very powerful tool for me. Um, you know, f- uh, visual is actually much better for me. And I think we, you know, the more you practice and the more you investigate, the more you'll find the right calming ritual that's good for you. Now, if you were to take that calming ritual before, you know, and then just move it to a different place and that was really all you did, that's still a good thing to do at the office or, you know, um, before you go to sleep, there's still benefits to that. And I think that's really what micro meditation is about. It's about understanding that it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be this full on 30 minute session. In fact, build your way to those things, you know, build it step by step. If you, if it's overwhelming for 30, you know, start with two. And if you do, 
you know, three days in a row or 500 days in a row of five minutes or two minutes, that's really, really good. That's much better than doing nothing. So you are at the beginning of this, uh, of your project and your company life. What do you, what are you planning for 2023 to be doing with Hasu Flower? Um, I mean, right now it's been really interesting. We've been, um, you know, we're trying to, during the holiday season, we've been talking a lot about um, giving the gift of mindfulness um, and sharing mindfulness with loved ones uh, around holiday time, um, which has been really, really well received. Um, we did a little holiday take on our, on our Hasu day pack. Um, so that's been um, a really interesting um, exercise. Um, you know, we're looking to expand um, our flavor profiles, our, the, the experiences that one might have while when you put the Hasu, you know, the tablet in your mouth. There's a lot of, you know, as I said, different things work for different people. We've done a lot of research around, you know, the best, you know, flavor profiles to work with mindfulness. And we're looking to get, um, you know, so we're looking to grow from there. Well, it's a very interesting idea, um, a very interesting idea. It's actually quite delightful. And if um, you are in retail up in Connecticut and online, so if you listeners are interested in trying it, go to hasuflower.com. That's H-A-S-U. Follow them on Instagram at Time for Hasu. Um, I want to thank Brian Lippman for coming on, founder of Hasu, and sharing his story and sharing the idea of using tech to disconnect from your tech. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about the technology of the Hasu micro meditation tablets, check out episode 274, uh, Sugar Lab Digital Bakery 3D Printing. This is the company that is um, working with them and making the little tablets. It's fascinating um, what we can do with 3D printed technology. If you're interested in listening to more ideas about how to disconnect from your technology and unplug and reset, it's something that we've been talking about over the years here at Tech Bytes. Our first episode on a digital detox was back episode 60. Wow. Yep. Episode 60. It was spring cleaning digital detox mm. in 2016. We also have episode 91 which is an unplug for a spring reset. And we did one during the pandemic because it seemed like with everybody sheltering in place and just the you know, global stress of a worldwide pandemic and people spending so much time on their computers and phones and tablets, both to connect with the world and loved ones and work, but it also just became um, untenable in some instances. So we did an episode... Um, episode 205 during 2020 to sort of give people some ideas of how to disconnect from your technology when technology really became the primary lifeline to so many different things. Um, we love technology at Tech Bytes. We love that it typically brings us to a real life experience with food, which is typically delicious. It's our mission here at Heritage Radio Network, a more delicious and equitable world for everyone. If you think that's a great idea and you want to keep listening to podcasts and stories like this one, if you want to have a library of more than 15,000 episodes 
on all matter of subjects to listen to and share and contemplate, go to heritageradionetwork.org, become a member, and we can keep making radio into 2023 and beyond. I'm Jennifer Leutzi for Tech Bytes. I want to thank all of our listeners, our sponsors, my guests, and most importantly, the people who make it all possible. This would not happen if it were not for them. All of the staff at Heritage Radio Network, specifically the engineers who you can't hear, but they are there. Matt, Armin, and Kevin, who make sure that Tech Bytes sounds great all the time. Closing it out for 2022. And I will talk to you in 2023. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bytes. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.